Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and thrilled to have with me today Lorna Meinweiser, PhD, who is here to talk to us about energy healing, some tapping, EFT, and so much more. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm just thrilled to have you. And you had sent me answers to my questions ahead of time, which is wonderful because then I was able to really look at um, the work you're doing, your own personal story of overcoming a fear um, and how you utilize this. So, yeah, talk to us about what it is you're doing. Well, um, I, I do a lot of energy work. I was a therapist, a licensed therapist for 15 years and retired when I moved across country um, because taking my license with me was too difficult. I work mostly as a coach uh, and a trainer and I've done some research in in, um, using EFT uh, especially with veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. I got involved in the veteran stress project when I read the statistics that um, 22 veterans day, week, month, whatever it was, many too many were committing suicide. Yeah. And I thought, I have this technique, I know it works, I've been using it for years, even though I'm not a veteran or involved in services in any way, I, I, like, I can't not do this. So I, I volunteered and, and worked with, a, with um, six actually uh, veterans who were amazing. And, um, and, and every one of them had uh, a fantastic success with releasing the symptoms of PTSD and overcoming their um, insomnia and their PTSD triggers. And, um, and I'm in touch with um, almost all of them still. That was in 2013, 2014. And um, uh, one of them called me the other day and he said, I'm ready to go on to my next level of EFT. So two, three of them have gotten the training to be EFT practitioners uh, as well. So, um, so it, I mean, and I just worked with a new veteran yesterday. So, I, you know, it's not my main focus, but it's just that I know this stuff works. And I, I, my main focus is spreading the word, teaching, training. I do some coaching as well, but um and, and because I'm one of those uh, people who just can't stop learning, yeah. you know, <laughs> I just me like, too. Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like, I was on um, some some organizational thing, a small group, and we were talking about you know what gets in our way, and and I uh, I said, and this is one of my mentees actually, the graduates, and and I said something like, yeah, I just don't know enough. And um, she started to laugh, and she said, Lorna, she said, you have a PhD, you have all these certifications, you do all this. She said, if you don't know enough, who does? <laughs> and I said, but it's, it's not just not knowing enough, it's just that there's so much out there to learn. Yes. And, and I don't know it all <laughs> yet, probably never right. will, but, but it, it, there's this drive to, um, you know, because I don't know what's going to work. Each client is different, and the, the more I can bring in something that helps yeah. the more works. Well, what makes me think of is, is as people learn to become more in tune with their own needs and their own mm-hmm. triggers and their own energy, that that then it becomes a teamwork kind of thing that mm-hmm. you can provide the tools and the guidance and your and share your knowledge and wisdom. But it also requires, you know, I mean, that's just from the practitioner role, but it requires, you know, the, the person who's doing the healing work on themselves mm-hmm. to also be willing to be in tune. Yes, yes. And, and when I first started the more professional study of, of energy psychology back in the early 2000s, one of the trainings was talking about that people, the, the client has to be ready, willing, and able. Yeah. And so I was working with this new veteran yesterday, and and so we did some energy testing to see, you know, was she, was she will, and she was willing, and she she was more or less ready, but she wasn't sure that she was able, and so we had to address that first before we could address any of the traumas, any of the stuff in the past. So right. you know, I think that ready, willing, and able is is all part of it, and and all of those things are addressable. Yeah. 
And I'll bet that comes up quite a bit. I know when I started EMDR therapy, I was certainly willing. I I knew I was able to go back into those traumatic events, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure I was ready. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so that was I think what on my end, what I had to address is that mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I was ready to go back into that darkness. So yeah, um, well, and and yeah, so like with this young woman, um. We, I just talked about, you know, bad things, bad things happened in our life. And, you know, when, when did the bad things start? So part of it for me is like working with somebody new, if they've had trauma is to helping them calm their system first and, and get that therapeutic alliance going so that they trust me, they trust the, the EFT. And so that, that, you know, they obviously want because they show up. You know, they come and, and oftentimes they're, they, meaning any of my clients, they're afraid. Um, I have a client this afternoon who's in her 60s and she's done a lot of work, and, but there's still some, she's, she's done it from the more cognitive stuff and the, she's done EMDR and, and yet there's still something that, that certain things trigger. Yeah. And so, you know, part of what, what I do and how I teach my students is, is, the ways, all the myriad of ways to get in to find what that tri- what's the origin of that trigger, so we can release it. Yeah, that's so it's yeah, detective work. Oh, it is for sure, and I I so absolutely relate to what you just said because I had done the cognitive therapy, you know, the talk therapy. I had done the EMDR therapy. We did some brain spotting therapy, mm-hmm. um, but when I started then utilizing the tapping. Oh my gosh, I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried cried through that first session of, you know, EFT. And what a cathartic release it was. But I I don't feel like I did much processing, although I know I did because I I felt like I cried the whole time. But yeah, but that's a release. And the thing is what we're finding, and I'm very interested in the research. I'm not a researcher to so to say, but you know, I'm willing to do what I can. But what the research is saying is that the memory reconsolidation is when you bring something up into your your memory or your memory field, if you're talking energy, and usually what happens is when you bring it up, it, it triggers you when you have all whatever, anxiety, depression, fear, all this stuff comes up. But when you add EFT or the tapping or you know matrix re-imprinting or emotion code, you add something else that is... Uh, um, increasing serotonin and reducing cortisol you're actually i mean we don't have a way of actually proving it yet but we think it's rewiring the brain yeah and so that as that energy is being released that old energy is just it's like it frees you up and so you know i mean i told this young woman yesterday and i tell my new clients it's that some things that may be too painful to even verbalize but you know they're there and I tell them the story of this one young veteran and in his 20s. And he, it, we were in the research project and he came into my office. It was face-to-face. I do a lot of work on Zoom or phone, but this case it was face-to-face. And, and I think it was like the fourth session. And so he trusted me and he trusted the process. And he came in and he said, I have three things. He said, I don't want to put them in your energy field. Can we just tap on them without talking about them? And I said, sure. And so we're sitting there across from each other and he's tapping and I'm tapping and he's crying and I'm crying and I'm sending hard energy and I don't know where he was or what happened or what they were, but he released them all. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's like, you know, when you set that intention and, and with the support of some, I mean, you can do a lot on your own with this and he continues to do it. Um, I have one veteran that says, you know, if he didn't, if he goes a day without tapping, he knows that he's missed it. Right, um, right. Yeah, but it's it's like that therapeutic alliance makes such yeah such a, and whether it's you know somebody that's licensed or somebody that's well trained. Right, so, right. And and, and when you just brought up the whole rewiring, I'm a huge fan and a huge uh, studier of brain plasticity, and mm, I love the idea of the fact that we we can create new habitual patterns. We can, mm-hmm. um, yeah, rewire the brain and. Mm-hmm. Um, change the impact that trauma 
you know, that stored trauma and release that negative energy. And that's what I tell people is that with all of the exercises I've done, Ho'opono, uh, Pono Hawaiian healing, I've done the tapping, I've done, you know, there's so many different things. I did them together. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, when I released that stored negative energy, that's what I say those panic attacks were. It was that trauma trying to get out of me. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know how to release it. And once I was able to process so much of it, and shoo, changed my whole life. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I for me, it's been more of a, a slower process of releasing. Because back when I was first introduced to this in 1991, <laughs> you know, there was no research out there. There was, you know, it was hardly, hardly even talked about or anything. And right. uh, that's when I lost my fear of heights, just you know, and with a five minute phobia cure. And that kind of sent me down this path is I want to know more. I want to know how it works. What, and I ended up going back to start my PhD. And I wanted to study that for my dissertation. And, and my advisor said, but there's no research you can, do, you know, you can, you can't do something unless you have some, you know, literature review and there was nothing out there. So yeah. now there is, now there's over, well over a hundred studies that are peer reviewed yeah. and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the skeptics are, I, I don't know how they can justify their skepticism right. anymore. Well, and I think they're fading away because, like you said, the evidence is piling up and, yeah, um, yeah which is beautiful. So, yeah, talk to us about your personal journey with the fear of heights and, and how that transpired. Well, I'd had this fear of heights uh, from when I was a little girl. I think I, I think I fell down the stairs at like three years old, because I have this kind of had this kind of vision of these long stairway, closed stairway, and and um and but I lived in Florida, and so that wasn't really a big deal um, because there weren't very many heights that you had to worry about. Right. But I did find like open stairways. I, I you know I had to hold on going down. And so again, uh, you know, Florida's fairly flat. And there's not a lot of two-story, right. two-story buildings, and and so um, in 1991, I was working on my master's degree, and I was studying self-esteem. And so I went to the self-esteem conference in Boulder, Colorado. Um, yeah, Keystone, Colorado. And um, my husband is the kind of person that always likes to go to the highest place possible. And I had tried many times to go, you know, look over the side of the mountain, go up the stairs, and and I would just, I just couldn't do it. So I, I thought, well, I just read Fear the, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, and here I am studying for my master's, and, you know, I should not have this fear of heights. So we went to the Seven Falls in Colorado Springs uh, the day before the conference, and there's like 237 open steps up the side of the mountain with seven waterfalls. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I got up about 30 steps and I absolutely froze. It's the, the first time or probably the only time I had a panic attack. Now I know what panic attacks feel like. I did not know that before. And it was, I, I was like frozen. And I said to my husband and, and the, the, uh, the banister was only on one side. So oh, it was yeah. rock on one side and banister right. in the other and these open wooden stairs and waterfalls down the side with the banister with them. Said to myself, you just, just go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll go back down. I just can't go any higher. And I, I, I it's like, I don't know how I'm going to get down. I said, they're going to have to get a crane. <laughs> Call the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Um, <laughs> but, um, so I saw this little kid sitting down on his bottom and going down the step. I thought, well, that's the way down. So that's what I did. And it's embarrassing. And, and uh, so, but I got to the bottom and I'm like, all right, that's it. There's no way that's gone. It's that it's, you know, I'm going to be able to do this. I'll just have to live with it. Right. Live with it for 40 years. Why not? So the next day I go to the self-esteem conference and uh, Jack Canfield gets up on the stage. He was real big in California with self-esteem back in the early nineties. And he said, I just learned this thing. And and he did muscle testing, which I had never seen before. And then he asked, there were about 300 people in the room. He said, how, how many people have some kind of fear or phobia? So I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought I'm going to be the only one. Well, there were a whole bunch of them in the room. I'm like, whoa, I'm not alone. And so he did what at the phobia cure, which was under the eyes, collarbone, under the arm, and then collarbone again, I think. And he had us tap 
while we thought about, and I'm thinking about, you know, my panic attack the day before. And I thought, when he first, it, it, you know, it was, it was just, it was a five minute phobia cure. So it wasn't much of investigation or when's the early time or any of the stuff we do now it was just focus on it and, and tap. And, and, and then he had us like, this is ridiculous. Tap on the side of her hand and say, even though I have this fear of whatever, I love and accept myself. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why would I say that? I, I mean, I was your big time skeptic. And and then he had us picture the, whatever it was, what we were afraid of. And I'm like, there was nothing. I mean, nothing. And I'm like, okay, let me test this. So my husband had been out. This is in Keystone, Colorado. So he's hiking around the Continental Divide all day. And I came out of the room and I, this is just still, I mean, that's almost 30 years ago. And I said, take me someplace high. I think my fear of heights is gone. And he said, yeah, right. I was with you yesterday. <laughs> and so, so he took me back to the continental divide and we're up there and, you know, I'm walking around, I'm looking over and he said, are you okay? And I'm looking over and I'm like, yeah, said, you know, I could tap if, if I need to, but well, this is really quite cool. And there was nothing, no activation. And so after the conference, we were driving back and it's, I think, Mount Evans, which is the highest um, paved highway in the country to the top. And so we're driving up there and I'm, of course, on the passenger side. And most of the time it's, you know, straight down on the side and I'm tapping, but I could keep my eyes open and I wasn't. I didn't didn't have it, and on the top, I'm kind of. And he said, "I'm like a mountain goat." And he said, "Be careful, be careful, don't get too close to the edge." <laughs> and so, um, and so that you know, it has never returned, and and it gave me such a a feeling of of freedom. I mean, it was transformational for me. And um, he he had always wanted to get his pilot's license, and. Um, and I was afraid to, I was afraid to let him. And so after that, I said, okay, why don't you go ahead? So he got his pilot's license, his small, small plane pilot. And then he got an ultralight airplane, which is, which is like, I call it a lawnmower with wings. Yes. Uh, with right. this big glass bubble. And I could go up with him without wow. having to tap or anything. And I could just say, well, this is really beautiful. And so, I mean, it was just that that freedom and it, and it generalized. I mean, I didn't, you know, it was like, if something came up, uh, I would, I would tap, you know, I would just do that, what I'd learned there. And, um, I mean, he couldn't believe it, but he believes it. And whenever we go someplace high and there'd be somebody like, I'm not going near there. He'd say, my wife can help you get over that fear of heights. <laughs> And a lot of times I'd tap and peep. I mean, it was just, you know, when there's an uncomplicated phobia, which mine was, oftentimes yeah. it can be released when you release that energy just by tapping. Yeah. So sometimes love, it takes a lot that more. that you say uncomplicated phobia because, you know, with like my trauma history and my ACEs score being so high and there was just such a, I call it a tangled Christmas ball, like a Christmas light oh, yeah. tangled in a ball. Mm -hmm. um, but there have been, you know, obviously doing tapping released a lot of things for me. And Which like, are the one-minute wonders? Do what? The, they call them the one-minute wonders. Yeah, that's. It. Yeah. I love that. And I just think it's so fascinating. I had a horrific fear of flying. Um, my oldest son moved to Colorado, to Denver, and we flew mm -hmm. out in July. And I decided I'm not taking the Xanax. And uh, did some healing work. And... Uh, got on that plane. I had no anxiety, no panic, no sweaty palms, no, none of nothing. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing because now I look flying back. Then we went to South Carolina, got on the plane. And so now I'm just, I'm excited freedom. about the idea of flying. Yeah. yeah. Freedom. Yeah. I, I worked with a student in one of my classes and he came up to me after, and I always shared it. I was fortunate that I was allowed to share this as a, t a technique. And um, in a psychology class, and he came up after and he says, I have to fly someplace tomorrow for work at six o'clock in the morning. And he says, usually I, I get drunk before I go, <laughs> but I can't do that with my boss and at six o'clock in the morning. He said, will this tapping stuff work? And I said, all we can do is try. So we tapped, I don't know, half hour or so and tapped. So he missed the class and then they came back the next day and he came kind of almost, he's a big guy, came kind of skipping in and he said, <laughs> He said, I am a flyer. I am going to Ireland with my cousin because now I'm, I can fly. Oh. He said, and he was sitting in the airport tapping 
And one of the other people said, you know, what are you doing? He says, well, this is my, my, weird, <laughs> my psychology teacher taught me this weird thing that helps me with my fear of flying. She says, can you teach it to me? <laughs> and, and, and so they were sitting there tapping and I'm like, that's it. That's how we spread this. That's, you know, that's what yes. you're doing is, is you're taking some, your, something that's an experience for you and being able to share it so that somebody else and, and, uh, so you can see I'm a little passionate about it. Yeah, no, I love it. I get all fired up too and just, oh, yeah. So, and I love what you said about teach people who reach people. So you you work with, again, to help spread this so that others can continue doing it and helping others and so forth. Right, so, right. Um, well, yeah, and, and I'm a, a trained or certified um, EFT trainer. So that one of the things is I train practitioners um train and mentor practitioners so they can do it so that's part of the teaching people to reach people the other thing is i go into like next week i'm going to the women's health at the va and i'm going to be and this is like the fourth time they always invite me back every year to teach them something new and um you know and, and i've 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 shared whatever i don't know what i'm going to share next week i haven't prepared that far yet <laughs> um but um one of the things we use and i mentioned and um is uh, the um, this is the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology's um, the booklet that they use and it has some of these techniques in it and then some resources as well. So I usually use this when I go out and I do a presentation like a rotary presentation or like a TVA and actually give people an experience of of some of this energy work so that they can say, wow, there is something to this. Yeah. And so, um, and what my goal is, I'm 74 and I plan to keep going until I can't anymore. Um, but it's, it's like, it's to teach therapists so they can teach it to their client. I'd love to get into the VA. I, I've worked with some teachers and, and, you know, the idea of getting it into school so people can start young with their kids. Yeah. I want to teach it to parents. So that's the teach people who reach people. So I love the one-on-one work and I don't plan to stop that, but, but uh, you know, the, the more I can get it out there. And one of the things that I mentioned in, in when I put that out is that the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology um, is, has a humanitarian committee. And I'm, I've been on that for the last three or four years. And what they've done is that they have um, created uh, easy, quick and easy videos um, so that somebody that's in distress or has been through trauma can just go and click and, and go along with it. And so that's at R, the number four, R.support. And, and it's, it also has the written and why you could use it. And it also is in Spanish. And so part of my goal is to get that information out there as well. Yeah. And we've just developed a, a PowerPoint, a presentation um, to train people to bring emotional first aid to their communities. And so that, um, like I'm in Northern California and there's been a lot of fires. And so many of us are involved with bringing the tapping and the, the calming exercises to people that have been traumatized. Yeah. And so, um, you know, bringing into the schools and uh, I, I have a couple of uh, uh, meetings scheduled where I'm going to be demonstrating these things for substance abuse counselors. And so that they can, you know, so if you can have, some tools that shift your energy, that self-regulate, then you can get your brain back online. Right. You know, um, I uh, love the it? idea of reaching children because that you can stop PTSD, you know, the symptoms the before it gets to that point. So, so mm-hmm. releasing that, releasing that negative energy, releasing that trauma from the mm-hmm. body um yeah very powerful it is and it it and it you know i mean i've had sometimes where people aren't ready and so it doesn't work right or there's secondary gain i've worked with this uh, client that had a lot of pain and and it, it would just move a little a little and and so i said you know 
what's the, this is Carol looks, what's the upside of keeping this pain? Because I don't have to go back to work. Uh, so what's the downside of going, if, uh, letting it go? I'd have to go back to work. So why would the pain release? Right. And right. so, you know, it's that I'm not, I'm not ready. Yeah. And, you know, no matter what we do, if you're not ready, it's, you're not ready. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and there are ways to help become ready, but you've got to address that first. Yeah. So any myths or facts that you would like to clarify for listeners? Well, I mean, like Wikipedia, um, I think I put that in the, the thing. Um, w- Wikipedia has, their, they are the utmost skeptics. And, and somebody will go in, like Gary Craig, will go in and put stuff in there about what EFT is and what it does. And they'll take it down. And they block it. And they'll put, you know, they say there's no research. Or they'll cite some, a couple of controversial research. And there's been solid research since 2010. And now here we are nine years later with well over 100 peer reviewed. And they won't acknowledge that. Wow. And uh, in 2014, I think it was, um, I was asked, I was on the research committee of the humanitarian, of the ASAP. And I was asked to write an article about what are some of the roadblocks to the um, dissemination of EFT research. And, you know, I was looking back at it and the things I wrote about, you know, the citations and all, I'm like, you know, a lot of this has not changed yet, even though now there are MRI studies. Yeah. There there are brain brainwave studies. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, it's that they aren't ready and they aren't willing. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, Dawson Church wrote something about, um, you know, that he was quoting, uh, he's the guy that's first talked about paradigm shifts. Um, uh, I can't think of his name, but anyway, he said, you know, a lot of things aren't accepted until the old guard, old guard dies off. Yes. But what's happened is it's back in 1999, the association, the American psychological association, APA, were really resistant. <clears throat> And they put out a thing saying not only can psychologists not get continuing ed for energy work, any organization that offers continuing ed with using energy work, we will pull your, your. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they were so adamant, which really got in the way because, you know, research often occurs in in, um, colleges and, you know, by, by researchers who need whatever continuing education. So it wasn't until 2012 that they stepped back and said that, yes, we will allow um, continuing ed for some of the ASAP trainings and some of the ASAP, um, you know, we have a conference every year with a lot of presentations. Right. But they still are very sticky about it. And what we've heard is that, I don't know if I'm not a member of APA, um, what we've heard and I don't know if this is true, it's either the incoming or one of the people that are running for uh, president of APA is very skeptical. And oh. so there's concern that right. continuing ed's going to be, you know, and, and uh, you know, for therapists, they have to have a lot of continuing education hours. And so they're, it's not that they're not willing to learn new things, but they'd like to get credit for it. If they pay for it, they want to get credit. I don't blame them. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we don't know where we're going to be, you know, in another year or so if APA is really going to. But the other problem, I think, is that yeah, EFT was um, developed by Gary Craig, who was a personal development coach and engineer. Okay. Well, Roger Callahan, who developed uh, thought field therapy and the phobia cure, was a psychologist who actually got into all kinds of trouble for doing this. Um, but thank God he maintained and kept kept doing. But, um, you know, people can learn to do this in, you know, I mean, my, my certified EFT practitioners take several classes and they have know, at least 60 hours, more than that, actually, of... Uh, uh, where they have to do sessions and have the sessions critiqued and observations and continuing education. So it's not just like you go for a weekend 
or you go online and you just learn things. Sure. But there are other organizations that will do that, that it's just a brief online thing and you now you're certified. So the concern of these psychologists or counselors or therapists is that they're un, unaware or not knowledgeable people yes. uh, out there doing EFT and saying they are, you know, EFT therapists or EFT, you know, coaches and not realizing that there's so much more to it. I mean, anybody can learn to tap, but there's, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. And I think that that can be true with anything. When I first started EMDR, I went to a EMDR certified therapist. Well, you have to be a therapist with EMDR. Yeah. And oh my, it was horrible because he basically told me, um, well, one, he insulted me on so many levels as a woman because he said, I have a a fear of driving and of highways. And he, after two sessions, he told me that I was, you know, cured, (laughs) fixed. And he said, you just have to realize that you'll probably always be afraid of driving because cars are big and scary. And that's where he left it. I'm going to have to tap on that All right. (laughs) And I just remember sitting there like, did he just tell me that I'm afraid of driving because I'm cars are big and scary for me? Like I, I was so dumbfounded. So I ended up reporting him and found another amazing therapist and we did work for four years. So yeah, yeah that yeah. tells you that he had no idea what he was doing. So yeah, right. you do yeah. get that. Yeah. yeah. And you just have to be careful of, um, right. You know, and, and you'll yeah. know, I think, again, you know, it is the energy thing. You'll know when you're working with someone, if it's working or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. And one of the things I teach people, what I've discovered really in the last, I don't know, five or six years, um, is that um, the, the, I think I think what it is like 25% of the population are energy sensitives. And, um, and most of them don't know that they are. Right. And so that's a part of what I, it's like this young woman, well, both like three people this week, I talked to them about energy sensitivity. And one of the questions I asked is help people self-identify and say, you know, if you're, if you're feeling pretty good and you go out someplace like to the store, to the bank where you have to stand in line and you start getting a headache or a stomach ache or feeling upset about something. And they're like, yeah, I hate to go out there. I, I bank online, so I don't have to do that. I go to the grocery store when it's empty. Okay, so you're an energy sensitive. What's happened is that you've picked up somebody else's energy and taken it on. And then if you don't know that it's somebody else's, you think it's yours. Yeah. Are you talking um, like like an empath? Like an but but it's you know empaths are even more so of that where they really like an empath who's doing like. Reiki or something, they'll actually physiologically, you know, take it, take that energy from the other person. This is just like when somebody is feeling bad, they're sending out, you know, negative vibes, so to speak. They're sending out energy, pain energy. And if you're an energy sensitive, you're picking it up. And so what I teach the basics and teach people is to just ask, you know, when you start feeling like you don't want to feel, just say, is this mine? Oh. And so, like, hmm, is this mine? And trusting your body to tell you whether it is or not. And so if it's not mine, I let it go. Yeah. And if it is mine, then it's something I need to work on. Right. Yeah. Go home and journal and tap. (laughs) So what I teach is the Donna Eden zip-up. Are you familiar with that? Uh Uh-uh. No. Okay. So the governing meridian, central meridian, I don't don't pay attention to the meridian because I, I... I don't know the names of all the meridians, okay? So there's a meridian that runs from the groin up the front of the body to just under um, the lip. And that's one of the places we tap. And so what Donna Eden, and she's the energy medicine person, is she calls the zip up. And so just imagine zipping yourself up three times with with the breath and then just letting it go. And what you're doing is you're protecting your chakras, those lower chakras, from picking yeah. up other people's energy. 
And so, I mean, I do that before I have a client, before I go out any place. It's like, you know, I know I'm doing somebody else a favor, but I really don't want to do that. <laughs> right. That's super cool. I love learning that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just really kind of simple. And, um, you know, and, and the knowledge that that's what's happening is so freeing yeah. to know, ah, it's not me. I'm not going crazy, you know. And so that that helps people shift from the uh, not being able because they've tried so many things and it hasn't worked because th then they walk out of the office and they see a big scary car. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. right. It's like, why did oh. he implant that? I hope you tap that out. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah. Yeah. And I, I we have a thing in, um, energy work uh, I think Roger Callahan said it's called the apex effect and what the apex effect is is that um, is that you release something so thoroughly that you almost don't even remember you have it or don't remember you have it yeah you don't have a it, it's you've released the memory you've released all the energy so the memory is is not energetically compromised oh yeah so I have a good friend who's a therapist um, was a therapist she's retired now and and so she she tells this story in our training and she said she had this client this woman that came in and um an older woman and and uh she, she had a terrible fear of driving because she'd been in an auto accident and so um she wanted to work she'd been referred by her doctor or whatever and so she wanted to work on that so pat worked with her and i don't know if it was just one session or several sessions and um, and she, they did the tapping and may have done a little EMDR because Pat was an EMDR therapist as well. And so the woman went out and she's like, well, you know, I don't know, we'll see. Somebody had driven her to the office. And so then, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, she called, made an appointment. And Pat happened to be standing in her office looking out the window as she was waiting for this woman to come. And she saw the woman drive up. <laughs> And so the woman got out of the car and how are things going and on. And the woman said that she'd driven across, this was in Michigan, she'd driven across the state from Detroit to, I don't know, the other side of the state and to visit her daughter-in-law, whatever. And Pat said, so, oh, well, we, we did a lot of tapping on that. And the woman just kind of rolled her eyes. And, and Pat said, well, what do you attribute to your being able to drive? Because when you came in here before, you went, she says, oh, maybe the drivers are getting better. <laughs> But that's the apex effect. That's what happens is that that the energy of it is no longer so bothersome that it's it's really kind of hard to even remember. It's hard to explain why you even had it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Especially if there's any shame about having it yeah. or embarrassed about having it. Right. So yeah. Yeah. But it you know it's it's and the thing is it's it's interesting how all these different aspects of something. I was in a car accident in June and um I was in a new car it only had like 30 miles on it oh and I was it was a, a different time of day than I was normally leaving my office it was more busy and I went to pull out of the parking well I was ready to pull out of the parking lot and a UPS truck came and parked like here and so I pulled forward just a little bit to try and see um if it was clear to pull out and somebody t-boned me Oh my goodness! And I was, uh, you know, I, I was only out a little ways, and since then I've seen the the her brake tracks, and she evidently she pulled toward me instead of away. And oh. okay, so it was kind of a combination of things. And my car was almost totaled. Wow! And I ended up with a partially collapsed lung and bruises oh. all down my side, and I banged my head. So there's some. I don't remember getting out of the car. Um, you know, I don't remember the ambulance ride. So there was, you know, something neurological going on. Anyway, so uh, they wanted to give me pain pills. And I said, no, let me see. You know, I'll, I'll just take the bare minimum. And I'll, I have lots of uh, help. So I, I tapped and I tapped and, you know, I did energy work. And and um, the, the lung healed on its own. And... Um, uh, and I you know, thought I'd cleared it all up. Well, the car was in the shop for for a month. And so I was driving my husband's car. And I could pull out and look, and I wasn't getting any activation. So then I get my, it's a mini SUV. So I get the SUV back. 
and I'm back in that same pulling out, not the same time of day, and I'm leaning forward, and I started getting that anxiety. I'm like, I haven't cleared that one thing. It was the leaning forward with the seat belt across and looking out that I had not cleared. And so I, I cleared it, and you know, it's fine, no problem. Yeah. I so, love you know, that. like I mean, all these. Sorry, you were in an accident, but I love it that you were able to find what it was, honor that trigger, mm -hmm. and release it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I also discovered some interesting things in that they had me on um, uh, like ibuprofen and Tylenol. And I normally don't take medications like that because I know it makes me a little spacey. Yeah. Um, so I don't even take cold medicine. Um, and I didn't want to take any. He said, you need to take it so that your lung will heal. And so, uh, but I discovered that I had to cancel all my appointments, not because I was in pain, but because I couldn't energy test. I couldn't, it, it, I was not in my energy field enough yeah. to do my appointments. I'm Interesting, like, uh -huh. because I don't take any medications. I don't like the effect that any medication has on me. I just, I never have. Someone will say, you know, if I have a headache, they'll say, I'll take some Tylenol. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll just heat up my rice bag and put it on my neck. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's other things you can do. And, you know, I mean, and I know there's a place for it. But what it, the other thing is, you know, I, I don't ask why did I have that accident? Um, you know, it was a couple of days after my birthday. And, you know, I mean, it's like, all right, I, I was not careful enough, I suppose. I don't know. I could have done things differently. She could have done things differently. But it, the learning experience of when your mind has a mind-altering chemical, what that does to your body. Yeah. Because I haven't been taking those. It's, it's like, aha, here's an awareness that I didn't have. And how... Yeah, I mean, it, it was it's like, all right, there was a, a, a lesson in there that somehow I needed to learn. So now, I mean, it's really interesting that the last couple of months I've been working, been going to, invited to and talking to people who are substance abuse counselors. And so I'm like, oh, maybe I needed that as, you know, like, all right, here are some techniques that can really help and help your people that are dealing with addictions and maybe help with your compassion fatigue and so um yeah. yeah taking my own experience and looking at how, how can that benefit others right you found the gift within the chaos as i like that's to say. right yeah actually i like that i like that yeah in the chaos yeah once i think we're able to finally you know obviously in the midst of the chaos it's incredibly difficult if not impossible mm -hmm. but once it's over and yes you've processed it's mm -hmm. it is amazing I, when i can look back and go ah there was a gift in there. <laughs> yes. Well, and one of the things with getting like the uh, humanitarian committee, we also have a part with a, what we call well-being, is one of the things we want to do is teach these techniques to people so they have them before they go into crisis. Right. So that they can just stop and do the, you know, the, the heart hold, the um, calming hug, or they can do the heart hold, or they can do the, um, you know, they can do something that helps reduce the activation moment. And like uh, uh, Daniel Siegel says, you know, it's like the brain that, that, that the, are you familiar with that brain model? Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when he talks about you flip your lid, what these do is to help your lid come back on. Yes, right. And so that then you can make a better decision. Obviously, you're not going to do them while you're fleeing from a fire, but when you're safe, to do them so you're not continuing continuing to be fleeing from the fire energetically right. emotionally right yeah so, yeah so we want to get you know let's teach people reach people <laughs> yeah i love it uh so my question that you've already mentioned your name but i'm going to ask it so if you could meet anyone in the world dead or alive to help you with your journey who would it be I think I've met a lot of people through the comprehensive energy psychology. So uh, that, you know, if I'm looking at, again, teaching people who reach people, I think Donna Eden um, would be one because she is an energy healer who sees energy and I don't see energy and I'd like to. And um, uh, her husband, David Feinstein, I have met him and I work with him and they are just an amazing couple. And, um, you know, I really thought about that one and, and, uh, 
you know, it's like she just kept coming up as a yeah. as a person I'd like to really. I guess I it's like when I went to Orlando two year, I think a year and a half ago for the energy conference, she was supposed to be a speaker on the Monday, and so I paid extra to go to that. And um, then she had some kind of a medical emergency, and she wasn't able to come to that. And I'm like. Oh, I'm just going home. So I canceled it because because I wanted to be in her energy field. Oh. I mean, I, I can feel the exchange of energy between us. I mean, I work on Zoom a lot and there's but but I'd really like to be physically in her field. So so maybe I'll have to go take an energy medicine class someday. That's so, I love it. I I had one one person one time, and it was a child. I worked in the mental health field um, in school system, and I was working with a kiddo. And um, this was a fifth grader, and she we were sitting there talking, and all of a sudden she stopped and she said, "I, you make me feel safe. I like being sitting with you." She said because you have a white light around you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it made me feel so good that like yeah. my energy that I was giving off was this, you know, calming energy for this child that she picked up on it and actually mm -hmm. saw it. Yeah. Uh, so it made me feel good that I was on the right track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so many kids can see the energy and, yeah. and, you know, and they feel it. Definitely. Yeah. They feel it. So, right. Yeah. Beautiful. So anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't get a chance to, to touch on? Gee, I don't know. Just look at your questions. I don't think so. Wow. Um, oh, so one of the questions you asked, what would be my dream job? Yes. So I, I pretty much have my dream job. I would just really like to be, be able to reach more people. Um, you know, I, I like to travel, but I, I'm not. I'm not one of those people who want to go all over the place traveling. But the power of Zoom, like you're you're reaching people. I mean, doing doing that to to train people like online or even you know locally or you know in California, whatever, not far travel. But but to to reach more people and to and to see the ripple. There's one one thing I want to mention is on the back of this. Um, Ulf, Ulf Sandstrom and Ganilla Hamna are, um, they, you should interview them sometime. Um, they are, uh, they're from Sweden and their, uh, their uh, website is the Peaceful Heart Network. Oh. And they go all over war-torn countries and they teach the, uh, the trauma tapping technique, which is this, in the middle there, the TTT. Yes. And they um, they work and it's uh, it's tapping without words, and because the the language difference, so they go into the refugee camps, oh. they go where the uh, orphans, the widows, um, and they and they teach. I think they should be nominated for the Nobel Prize. But they've also created an online app at that selfhelpfortrauma.org. And it's free, and it's this little like cartoon character they call him Winky, and he's and then you can see the trauma, there's guns and all this. He's like a little refugee, like a Teletubby, and um, and then he gets this message about tapping, and it, and it it teaches you to tap along with it, and there's music in the background, and so my colleague up in um, Shasta, which is north of here, where they had all the fires, uh, she said the the uh, um, the firefighters are using it. The schools are using it. Oh. So, you know, it, they, they are getting that word out and using, using the tapping. And um, they have a book called Resolving Trauma that's free on their, on their website, the Peaceful Heart Network. And so, um, you know, they're, they're just you know, amazing, amazing people. And, and one of the things is they'll go into some place and they'll teach five people or so or 10 people, whatever, how to do the trauma tapping, the main people in the camp. And that with a, with a caveat that these people teach five people each. And so then they'll go back to the camp and there'll be 20 some people tapping. And then they'll go back to the camp and there'll be 200 people tapping. So that's that each one teach five. Yes. Oh, and then, yeah, the multiplication of it but, is just yes. amazing. And they are doing amazing, amazing work. And they just had, um, they worked with um, Peter Stapleton, who's a researcher from Bond University in Australia. Um, they they did put together a research project to see because they'd had kind of um, 
you know, just keep track of results, how many people, what are the differences, but they did an official research study. I don't think it's published yet, but it's on the getting ready to be published. No, Wikipedia can put that on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then the other thing that, that we're speaking of Peta Stapleton is that um, uh, she has a, a talk on a TED, TEDx talk on um, the energy psychology, the new, the new psychology. It's very interesting. And uh, I, I ended up going into a, a Catholic, uh, Catholic church to do some tapping with a, a group of um, office staff who had seen that video and wanted the tapping for something that was going on in their, in their church. Yeah. So, you know, the word is out getting out there more and more yeah. and you're doing a marvelous job of spreading it. I see you on the ACES thing and yeah. Thanks thank you for thank doing what you do. Oh, well, thank you. I love, I love meeting amazing, as I say, beautiful souls doing beautiful work in the world, you included. Um, oh, thank you. So, yeah. So thank you for what you're doing to help others along their healing journey. It uh, just, it makes my heart smile. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, my, my granddaughter and I both love butterflies. And so we got the, did this a couple last week and says, spread your wings and fly. And so that's, that's what I want to help people do is to really be totally who they are and release all these negative limiting yeah. things that keep them from, right. From doing that. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So how do people get a hold of you? Well, my website is coachmindwiser.com and I'm in uh Sacramento area of California. So I'm on Pacific time. Awesome. Do you want my phone number or my email? Whatever you want to share. Can you spell out Co Coach Mindwiser so people okay, who are so it's to the audio? Okay, so it's C-O-A-C-H. And then my last name is M-I-N-E-W-I-S, as in Sam, because people think I say M. W-I-S-E-R.com. Awesome. So all my contact information is on there. And, and my email is Lorna, L-O-R-N-A, my first name, at coachmindwiser.com. Wonderful. Okay. Well, yeah. that's fantastic. And I'll put it here on the video, but for audio folks, they, they now have it. So, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. Well, I so appreciate this. I really enjoyed it. So. Awesome. I did too. Thank you very much. I'm going to do a quick little closeout. Everyone, okay. thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.